Hey everybody, what's going on? This is Henry Sir. Welcome to the first episode of Henry Will Podcast Anything. For those of you not familiar with me, and I'm going to assume that's pretty much everybody, I am a comedian, do some writing stuff, do some music stuff, whatever. Uh, thank you very much for listening. I, I really do appreciate it. Uh, just a little quick little background on me, and it's relevant to the podcast. I've struggled with the idea of coming out with a podcast, and it's been made abundantly clear to me that in comedy, if you're going to be serious about doing it for the long haul, you have to have something like a podcast right now. But I get very in my head over things like this and social media um, in terms of like, is this narcissistic? Is it just self-indulgent? Who cares? Like how much of me do I need to see on Instagram and hear doing stand-up and podcasts? I get very in my head over that stuff. And there's a lot of stuff about comedy I don't like. I, I love actual comedy, but all this stuff right now about it's all about likes and clicks. And that's kind of just the world. It's not stand-up. I don't like that stuff, but I need to embrace the mentality about building an audience and getting over maybe what's just a bunch of pretentious ideas in my head. And in that spirit... That's why I'm doing this podcast. I never had a good idea for a podcast. I had a uh, I had a podcast a few years ago that was absolute trash. And if any of you happen to listen to that, I sincerely apologize to you, and I hope you can forgive me. <laughs> but after that, I really felt like the last thing the world needs is another crappy podcast. And there's some great ones out there, but brew, there's some real crappy ones too. I don't think this is going to be that. You know why? I didn't even bother coming up with an idea. I am embracing everything that I, I claim to hate about clicks and likes, and that's what it's all about. I'm I'm buying into it now, baby. Whatever is popular, that's the podcast. And that's why I'm calling it Henry Will Podcast Anything. I'm putting away all shame, any semblance of soul, out the window. Forget about it. Whatever is popular, whatever is getting the most clicks, that's what I'm doing. And that is why this first episode is a true crime podcast. I want everybody to understand this. This story is 100% true, and I can guarantee you, you are not going to hear the stories on this podcast anywhere else, especially this one. This is 100% a true story. The people ask that I don't use their names, and I actually did an investigation and interviews, and they just asked I use actors to reenact what they said to me. Otherwise, this is all 100% true. I think you're really going to like it. It's a crazy story. It's really funny. I hope you enjoy uh, I don't want to do too long of an introduction. Any social media stuff, it's all on my personal accounts, at HenrySir33. But otherwise, I just want you to listen. Enjoy. The story you're about to hear is absolutely true, although the names may have been changed to protect the identities of the individuals. None of these cases, as shocking as they are, have made it through the court systems. These are the silent stories. Much of this content is unbelievable, horrifying, and frankly, disturbing. Please be cautioned that this podcast is not for the weak-minded. Jaeger bombs, dogs, ruined carpets, erectile dysfunction, and murder. Kind of. Not really, though. I'm Henry Sir, and this is Henry Will Podcast Anything. Thirty-four years old, culprit of one of the most bizarre and diabolical events of this century. 
It was January 28, 2008. Just another unassuming night in the Canadian northern Albertan city of Edmonton. To say it was freezing would be an understatement. Andrew, an undergrad student at the university and recreational keyboard player, made his way to his friend's house at approximately 8 p.m. There would be a get-together before officially going out to the bar. There, the group drank, smoked drugs, played Guitar Hero, and laughed at their usual jokes. It was like any other night. But Andrew's friends had no idea what he was doing and what drugs he was taking behind closed doors. Here is Andrew's friend, Craig. You know, every weekend, Andy and the boys come over and we get pretty fired up. We crush some beers, we rip some darts. It's always a good time, let me tell you that. But, you know, I guess this time I just noticed that Andy was getting up and he was leaving, the boys, and just me. But... You know, I didn't really think anything of it. I thought maybe Buddy had the squirts or the shits or something like that. So I guess in hindsight, it was a little peculiar. At approximately 10.30 p.m., Andrew and his friends made their way to White Ave, host of some of Edmonton's most popular bars and nightlife spots. Waiting in the freezing cold, they finally got into Hudson's, just off Gateway Boulevard. It was here that Andrew met Lindsay Cordero. Lindsay was also a student at the university, but was part of the education after degree program. Sporty, outgoing, popular, Lindsay and Andrew had never met until this night. Her evening was eerily similar to Andrew's. At around 5pm, Lindsay met with a couple friends for dinner. They talked school, relationships, jobs, and made plans for the rest of the evening. They never would have guessed things would change so drastically just a few hours later. After dinner, around 6pm, Lindsay went home to shower and change. When she finished, at approximately 8.45 p.m., Lindsay had some friends over for a few drinks before also heading to White Ave. Lindsay wanted to go downtown on Jasper Ave instead. Just north of the river from White, Jasper was home to Lindsay's favorite dance club, Oil City. A cast member from a reality show she once watched would be making a special appearance. She couldn't remember the name of the show or the person, but he was on TV. Lindsay respected that a great deal. She was adamant about going, but none of her friends wanted to brave the cold in what would inevitably be a long line. This is Lindsay's friend, Amanda. I mean, I think about it all the time. If we just hadn't gone to white, I don't know. It's tough. It's tough to think about. But they didn't go to Oil City. As fate would have it, they too would go to Hudson's off Gateway. It was approximately 11.15 p.m. when the two finally crossed paths. Andrew made his way to the bar where Lindsay was also waiting to place her order. They locked eyes and their chemistry was as instant as it was electric. After some casual small talk, screamed yet muffled under the blaring playing of Crazy Bitch by Buck Cherry, Andrew got them a double Jaeger bomb each. They went back to their respective groups, but unfortunately for both of them, this would be far from their last encounter. Closing time was 2 a.m. with last call at 1. Lindsay and Andrew crossed paths many times through the night, stopping to flirt and passing, but always going back to their friends. Andrew never made any mention of Lindsay to any of his friends, but Lindsay pointed him out to hers. I don't know, she just pointed out this guy at the bar. He was good-looking. He seemed really charismatic. He was just like a normal guy. I don't know. So, yeah, of course we're going to be like, go for it. And we're like, go talk to him and now looking back on it I'm like wow that was just a night of a lot of 
really bad decisions. And I guess if I'm really being honest, we enabled the whole thing. You know, Andy never talked about girls. It's a little weird when I think about it, but I mean, like the boys, we always go out. We always get rowdy. We, we always chase some tail. You know what I'm saying? But Andy just, he always kind of seemed to keep to himself. So, I mean, that night I had no idea he had been talking to any chick, which is, you know, I'm, I'm always a little surprised because he's a good looking guy. He's got a lot of personality. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm as shocked as anybody. 1.15 p.m. Nursing their last drinks of the night, Andrew and Lindsay cross paths for the final time. With more bravado than usual with the amount of Jaeger and Red Bull consumed in one night, Andrew suggested he and Lindsay leave, but was adamant that they couldn't go to his place. Andrew still lived with his parents, although he elected not to disclose this information to her. Lindsay was happy to oblige as she lived in an apartment just off Saskatchewan Drive. It was a 10 minute walk at the most. They left together, and nothing was ever the same. You know, the boys, we did not have a good night. All of us are striking out. No one is taking the bait. You know what I'm saying? And then Andy walks over to this beautiful chick. 45 seconds later, they're out of there. What the heck? Yeah, it was the end of the night. We were all just so happy for her. And how are we supposed to know the night was going to end in tragedy? We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Hey guys, it's Henry here. If you're anything like me, you appreciate a good bed. You realize there is so much more than just lying down and sleeping on a bed. There is a science and an art to the craft. That's why I am so excited to team up with Mattress Mattress to present their new Beducation program. Highly regarded as the premier Beducation in North America, Mattress Mattress has been Beducating families for generations. Visit any Mattress Mattress location and use their in-person promo code, Henry Beducates, to receive full retail price on any of their mattresses. Mattress Mattress, come get your Beducation. And now, back to the podcast. It's everywhere. It's, it's, it's all over the floor. It just... That was the phone call placed early the next morning at approximately 3 a.m. A mess everywhere and no sign of Andrew. Now, just as a warning, this is where the story gets weird. Andrew and Lindsay left the bar just before 1.30 a.m. The walk would be 10 minutes at the absolute most, but especially in the cold Albertan winter, people pick up their pace. They didn't arrive at Lindsay's until 2 a.m. Andrew suddenly grew nervous the closer they got to Lindsay's apartment. He was going in and out of every convenience store saying he really wanted to wash his hands. This is Lindsay Cordero. He just kept talking about having to wash his hands. Like everywhere we went, he said that he had to wash his hands. It was, I don't know, he was obsessed. It was at this point that Andrew popped a pill. He turned his back to her, but Lindsay saw. Curious, she asked what he just took. Nervously, Andrew danced around the question as long as he could, but Lindsay kept pressing. He told her it was acid. The daughter of an oil worker, Lindsay was a fairly conservative young lady, but in her drunken state, she felt compelled to try it with Andrew. He refused. 
looking back, I'm happy that I didn't take any, um, though it's sort of weird how, how quickly he said no. Uh, so we just kept walking, and he was trying to go into every store to wash his hands, but they were all closed because it was late, and it just started to get really strange. Finally, they got to her building. Lindsay was freezing and desperate to get upstairs, and despite Andrew's strange behavior, these were still college students after a night of drinking. Andrew looked around the lobby frantically. He asked if there was a bathroom he could use to wash his hands before meeting her upstairs. Lindsay informed him there was not, and it did not sit well with Andrew. He became incredibly nervous again. Then he just started saying how he lost his wallet. Um, I mean, he looked calm, but you could see in his eyes he was freaking out. He just kept saying, I lost my wallet, I lost my wallet. And I, I, I tried to kiss him to calm him down, and I could feel his wallet in his pocket. And I don't know, I thought he would be relieved. But Andrew wasn't relieved. Not yet. Now, it was a new obsession. Then he started asking for the time and telling me that his friend was in trouble. And it was just like, first it was his hands and then it was, you know, losing his wallet. And now his friend was in trouble. And I don't know, it just, none of it really added up. Lindsay did what any reasonable person in her position would and should do started crying and making Andrew feel guilty. It was just the usual stuff, you know, like, well, you don't want to be here, you don't think I'm pretty, why do guys always do this to me? Anyways, it just uh, felt like the right reaction at the time. Andrew assured her none of that was the case. Somehow, in this state of chaos, the two managed to calm each other down. They agreed to go upstairs to Lindsay's apartment. This is where it all happened. It was a flash, a total blur. Lindsay went into the bathroom and came out to the mess. Defecation everywhere. The carpet her parents hired specialist to perfectly installed was rendered wasted. What Lindsay heard and saw next, she couldn't believe. And neither will you. But first, a quick snack break for me. We know the who, the where, the when, and the how, but so often in our world the most troubling question, not to mention impossible to answer, is why. Why would Andrew do such a thing to an unsuspecting stranger he had only just met? To understand the why, we must better clarify the who. We must try, as unfathomable and distasteful as it is, to understand Andrew's perspective, his motives, and his rationale. How could this likable, good-looking, charismatic, unassuming man become the monster that did what he did to Lindsay Cordero. Andrew Lewis was born and raised in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada in the late 80s. His formative years were the 90s and early 2000s. For a sensitive boy, a young man with no interest in cars, mechanics, construction, or labor work of any kind, this was hardly the time or the place for Andrew. Alberta is known, and proudly by the locals, as oil country. The Edmonton Oilers are a religion only rivaled by no-frill domestic beer and the purchase of large trucks. Alberta is often referred to as the Texas of Canada. It's the Wild West, and in 2008, the oil boom was at its peak. Andrew was no oil worker. He had an affinity for poetry, music, and theater. Andrew never had a penchant for hard work and avoided it at all costs. 
His fellow Albertans took great issue with this as he grew up in an especially blue-collar neighborhood. This caused Andrew all kinds of anxiety. I known Andy all my life, okay? And I know for him, high school, university, he started to really come into his own and meet people with similar interests and everything. But I think at this point, damage was already done. From a young age, Andrew had to start taking anxiety medications in the form of antidepressants. One of the primary side effects was a decreased libido. For a young teen entering puberty, this was very confusing to Andrew. It's weird. It was weird for us. You know, I mean, I probably would have thought he was gay. He never wanted to talk about it, ever. And for me and the boys, we're blasting off like six, seven, eight times a day. So, yeah, can you understand? It's a little bizarre. Like most people who have committed such atrocities, Andrew is no stranger to sexual confusion and angst. This blend of no libido, sexual confusion, and anxiety manifested itself in debilitating performance anxiety. Like most teens, Andrew would still make an attempt at chasing girls, but never to any success. The weird thing is, the girls really like Andy. He could just never close the deal. But you didn't know why. Well, I mean, he obviously didn't tell us that he couldn't get it up. I mean, that would have ruined Buddy. We just thought he had no game. Andrew would get close with a female, but would always find an excuse to leave at the last minute. His favorite excuse? He always had an excuse that he had a buddy about to get jumped, and he had to go help. Pretty good excuse, really. I mean, it makes him look kind of tough, but, I mean, how many buddies are getting beat up before you're going to bang? Just doesn't make sense to me. Andrew's teenage years were tormented by heightened teenage angst and a lack of erections, a surefire recipe for catastrophe. However, in his college years, it seemed Andrew was coming into his own. It was a slow and gradual process, but Andrew's anxiety appeared to lessen, at least to those around him. On this fateful night, he seemed especially confident. He showed up to my place with all this booze and all this fruit and just had so much swagger. You know, and he just kept getting up and leaving to the bathroom and to the kitchens, but, you know, I had no idea. There was, of course, a motive behind Andrew's gifts basket. Days after the incident, Andrew's mother, who declined interview, went through his browser history and found various website links to the sexual benefits of citrus fruit. Clearly, Andrew had a twisted motive, and this excited him as he prepared for a night out. What nobody told Andrew, however, is that no individual should eat an entire pineapple and five oranges to himself. I'm taking my empties to the trash and I look inside and there's all this eaten fruit. But I didn't see nobody eating it that night. It was all him. It's all him. Making matters even more dire was the bizarre choice of pre-drink Andrew selected. He had just seen The Big Lebowski for the first time a few weeks prior and he was obsessed. He would quote it constantly, tried getting his friends to call him the dude, of which they refused, and took a liking for white Russians. Crushing white Russians was the saying he tried to get caught on with the group. Nobody found it amusing. That night, Andrew finished half a 40 of vodka, an entire bottle of Kahlua, and a liter of milk. Whole. I spoke with several nutritionists, most of which agreed this was not a good idea. Combining that much citrus with alcohol and dairy is not easy to digest. Adding the vast amount of Jaeger bombs Andrew would go on to crush, a storm was brewing. Those weren't the only substances Andrew was abusing that night. According to friends, they had never seen Andrew do any kind of drugs. Hearing that Andy met with a drug dealer? Shocking. Completely shocking. I, I don't even know if I still believe it. 
But he did. Andrew tracked down a drug dealer through a Craigslist ad that specialized in far-from-mainstream narcotics. Andrew would arrange a meeting in a back alley on the south side of Edmonton where he would acquire the pill he pawned off his acid. A tablet of Cialis. Finally, at least in Andrew's twisted mind that had been shaped by his own insecurities and anxieties, he would be totally prepared for his first sexual encounter. An event that was far overdue. Andrew made quick work of his pineapple and oranges. In fact, he felt refreshed and invigorated by them. Had this happened earlier in the night, at the bar, who knows what would have come of this evening, but the culmination of the citrus, dairy, and alcohol-rich diet didn't hit Andrew until his walk home with Lindsay. From there, the decision was made for him and there was no turning back. He frantically tried to find bathrooms in every store he passed, claiming he merely needed to wash his hands. He knew the situation was less than ideal, but who knew the next time he would go home with a girl? He popped to Cialis knowing it would take a half hour to kick in. When he finally got to the bathroom, he could easily fill that time. What Andrew and his drunken haze failed to realize is that no public bathrooms would be open at this late hour, or they would be for customer use only. As Lindsay described, they got to her apartment and their altercation occurred in the lobby downstairs. From there, after Lindsay broke down, they agreed to go upstairs. Andrew thought he would be able to sneak away in the bathroom to rid himself of what ailed him easily enough. What Andrew didn't know was the apartment was a suite. Just a little kitchen and like pretty much my bed. You know, the bathroom's four feet from my bed, so there's nowhere really to go for privacy. And he wanted to wash his hands, so I suggested he do it in the kitchen. And I don't know, I was young and drunk and... I just wanted to be exciting, so I went to my bathroom and I, I, you know, I changed into an outfit that I thought he would like and thought it might calm him down. And oh man, it's embarrassing to talk about. I was in there for like three minutes, and yeah, when I came out, um, yeah, that's when it happened. Lindsay came out hoping her change in wardrobe would lead to a night of seductive play, but the room she came out to was far more sinister. I was shocked, you know, I, I, I was just shocked. I just met him and he, he's a stranger, you know, you leave them alone for a few minutes and they cause that kind of evil. I, I was horrified. Instead of an evening of collegiate, booze-fueled sexing, Lindsay was greeted to a stench she dared not dream could even exist. There was Andrew, sitting on her bed, staring right at her, eyes wide, the second she came out of the door. The odor was like a punch to the face and Lindsay faltered. Lindsay didn't even have time to question what was happening when Andrew jumped into a tirade. Do you smell that? Oh my god, that is so disgusting. That smells so awful. Your dog literally just got up and took a shit on the floor. What the hell? It was still dark in Lindsay's apartment. Her only lights were a few lamps, only one of which was turned on as it was still late and the dark lighting lent itself to a sensuous mood. Andrew, even in the darkness, could make out Lindsay's pet dog sleeping in the corner. That's when he told her. It was the dog. The dog got up and relieved itself on the floor. Dog? What dog? The fact of the matter was Lindsay had no dog. She turned on the rest of the lights to reveal that the dog Andrew accused of being the culprit was in fact a stuffed animal raccoon. Not even the same species. Andrew froze. He was caught. There was no getting out of this one. It was clear that Andrew had acted and done so alone. It was he that defecated on Lindsay's newly installed rug and caused the demonic stench, a stench that still reeks upon Lindsay to this day. 
I don't think I can ever forget that smell. I mean, sometimes I wake up in a panic in the middle of the night and I can still smell it. Yeah, I had to move. I had to get out of there. And Andrew? He tried pleading with Lindsay that he didn't know what happened, but she wasn't buying it. In his final act of cowardice, he sprinted out of the apartment. Lindsay hasn't heard from him since. It wasn't until my investigation and interview with Lindsay that she was made aware of the circumstances, his annihilation of so much fruit and dairy, and the background on his character. I, I don't know what to say, like why anybody would eat that much citrus and drink that much dairy liquor, it's just beyond me. I mean, how, how they could do that and do that to somebody's rug. I mean, like if you have anxiety, that's fine. I mean, I'm just, I'm trying to be sensitive, you know, especially in these times, but I just don't think I'll ever really understand, you know, and that's that's the worst part. There'll there'll never be any closure. Yeah, I don't know. Lindsay, she's just never been the same since. It's like she doesn't trust people anymore. And I, I don't know. It's like she thinks anybody is capable of doing the same evil stuff that happened to her before. I I don't know. It's really sad. As for Andrew, nobody knows. No, I haven't heard from Andy. I don't see him. The boys, I mean, he's just ghosted us all. So, but that story, that story is the best. It's hilarious. It's a great story. And it's so important that you share the story with the world. It's pivotal. You know, I'd love to see Andy crush a few beer and just catch up and hear more about it. I mean, (laughs) frig, that story's great. I briefly got in touch with Andrew, but he declined interview with me. I tried tracking him down on social media, but he has deleted all of his accounts and yet another act of cowardice. He claims he deleted them because he feels social media is a toxic environment and he would rather just live his life in the real world. He says he deals with enough anxiety and feels bad about himself enough that he doesn't need social media to hammer it home that much harder. I try to stay unbiased as an investigative reporter, but I have to be honest, claims like this just don't make sense. Everyone knows social media leads to greater levels of contentment and happiness. It appears to be just another twisted mind game Andrew loves to play so much. If you have any information on Andrew's whereabouts, please get in touch with me so we can bring him to justice and get him fired from whatever job he is theoretically working. And most importantly, let this be a warning to you all to be careful of the unassuming, citrus and dairy devouring predators out there. You never know who it might be. This has been Henry Will Podcast Anything.